welcome to Project HR, a podcast dedicated to building better workplaces. Project HR is brought to you by Projections, an IRI company. IRI helps organizations navigate workplace challenges, improve employee engagement and productivity, manage labor relations, and implement effective communication strategies to achieve their goals. For more information, you can visit Projections online at projectionsinc.com. I am Jennifer Oroqua, Director of Business Development for IRI and your host for today's episode of Project HR. Now, over the years, there have been a number of documentary films created whose purpose was to shine a light on the inner workings of a company or an entire industry. Here at Project HR, we wanted to talk about a new film about the healthcare industry called Inhospitable. The film's Twitter account describes it as a documentary that follows patients and activists as they battle a multi-billion dollar nonprofit hospital system. Here at Project HR, we were inspired to talk about the impact these kinds of targeted attacks can have on an organization's reputation, and what can be done if your company ever finds itself in the crosshairs of this type of action. Joining me today is Mike Lake, Managing Director of Communications at IRI Consultants. Mike, I'm so thrilled to have you here on Project HR to talk about reputation management, both internally and externally. Well, thank you, Jennifer. I look forward to having a great conversation today. So, Mike, we opened up the program talking about the new Inhospitable documentary, but this is certainly not a new concept. You know, American Factory targeted the manufacturing industry, Rotten did the same with the food industry, and of course, Dark Waters called out DuPont. Certainly, these are all extreme examples of a reputational attack. I'd like to think that most companies wouldn't be facing a whole documentary focused on their specific business or industry. Is that right, or am I underestimating this threat? Well, I think you are correct that they're not going to be facing major production movies or documentaries about the issue, but I would say that the increase in exposure to the same type of impact has increased. With the advent of citizen journalists, everyone has a mobile phone today and is quick to flip it out and record bad behavior, funny behavior, activities that can embarrass an organization or an individual. So while the examples you gave are very impactful and they're major motion pictures such as Deepwater Horizon about the BP oil spill, you're also seeing more personalized efforts that followers jump into activities. Uh, recently, a lot of people are aware of Ben and Jerry's and some comments they made about Israel that resulted in a boycott of their ice cream products. We've also heard about the cancellation of the All-Star Game based on uh, voting right restrictions that the state had passed. So people are able to bind together and have an impact by uh, creating YouTube videos, Twitters, uh, Instagrams, mm -hmm. and, and attack an organization from many fronts. So I think the exposure has only increased uh, as people become more involved and more uh, socially active on, on issues that impact their daily lives. So why can these attacks be so damaging? I mean, everything you named is, it sort of seems like a, a small problem, but why is this so damaging? Unfortunately, they're only one-sided. So whoever is taking the video or producing the, uh, the documentary or filming a motion picture, they're telling the story as they want it interpreted. Uh, companies often don't have an opportunity to respond, or when they do, Due to litigation and, and lawyers involved, they're restricted on how much they can say. So unfortunately, what people are getting is one person's point of view or one organization's point of view, mm -hmm. and it damages the credibility and the reputation and the brand of the company. So Mike, I want to talk a little bit about what can be at stake for our organizations, starting with customers. Well, that's a good question. As Warren Buffett said, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and only five minutes to ruin it. And mm -hmm, so people, for sure. <laughs> exactly. It's just, and, he, and, he's, and he's exactly right on that. People spend 
countless hours and money protecting their organization, their brand, their reputation. And so it, it's very impactful. And people today have access to more information than they've ever had before. And so they can research their companies. They can make decisions based on the activities of that organization. And we're seeing more and more of that every day where people mm-hmm. are looking beyond just the price of a, of a product and making their buying decisions. But for our listeners, which is mostly folks in the HR space, how can a shift in public opinion affect employees? What about recruitment, retention? Well, as we all see now, people want to identify with an organization that they like and have similar values. Do they agree with their mission? And these people are citizen advocates. They talk to people in the marketplace. So if you are a a hospital trying to recruit new nurses into your hospital, they want to see people who work there. What is their experience personally? As we all know from um, research, people, the most trusted source of information is family and friends. They want to hear from those people. They want to get their perception of that organization. And so what we see is an organization that that is facing negative consequences, bad press coverage, you know, protests in front of a facility, have a much harder time in a very competitive marketplace now to attract that talent. In fact, at, at IRI, one of the things we're helping our companies with now is what we call the company brand associated with recruitment and retention and putting people in front of the camera talking about their positive experiences, because we know now instead of just seeing a job description or reading an article, they want to hear from people inside the company. And so that's one of the areas Mm -hmm. we're really Mm -hmm. focusing on now. So Mike, how difficult is it for a brand or even an entire industry to repair the damage in the aftermath of something like this kind of documentary? I mean, given time, is full recovery possible? Well, that's a great question, Jen. The short answer is yes, it is possible. The long answer is companies need to be prepared for a significant investment of time, resources, and personnel to rebuild that credibility that was lost. As I mentioned in the Warren Buffett uh, quote, it it is an ongoing effort if you have a situation like this, so you can come back and rebuild. An example is on the Deepwater Horizon BP spill that we mentioned BP has been able to rebuild a lot of the damage that was done after that. And part of the Mm -hmm. success there was in advance of the spill, BP had already tried to change the perception of what it meant to be a major oil company in the world today. And so they talked about BP standing for beyond petroleum, and they were taking environmental steps, safety steps, all different things to alleviate some of the concerns of, of the citizens around the world. So when the, mm-hmm. the accident happened in the ocean, they were able to draw upon that, that brand equity bank to help protect them. There's no doubt they suffered significant reputational damage, but they've been able to come back and people now go back to BP stations to fill up and you don't hear the, the uh, you know, extensive criticism as a company as you once did right after the accident. And I think that's a really good point that, um, you know, reputation management is an investment in the future, you know, taking care of these problems in the, in the moment and, and even long term. Um, that's not a cost. It's an investment. Absolutely. All right, Mike, we're going to take a quick sponsorship break right now. But when we return, I want to talk about the action steps that corporate leaders in HR and beyond can take to be prepared. So stay with us. Creating and maintaining a solid digital employee communication strategy can seem overwhelming. But missing out on the advantages of today's tools can mean missing the mark in developing and maintaining positive employee relations. 
We've identified seven digital communication mistakes our clients make most often to give you a huge leap forward in your digital communication strategy. From clearly defining the intent of your communication to ensuring consistency, these practical tips are easy to implement. By avoiding mistakes like solving the wrong problem at the wrong time, or not taking advantage of a variety of delivery mechanisms, you'll create a solid digital communication strategy that engages employees. Don't waste another minute on an ineffective strategy. Download your free copy of the seven digital employee communication mistakes today at projectionsinc.com employee digital communication. And we're back with Mike Lake, Managing Director of Communications at IRI Consultants. Now, Mike, before the break, we talked about how difficult it can be to recover once our reputation has been damaged. So the next obvious question is, how can we prevent this kind of thing from happening in the first place? Well, the first thing is to change your mindset from one of being a reactionary uh, response to what happens to being proactive and have a plan in place, whether it's your crisis plan, your brand reputation plan, really look at your organization from the inside out. Do your mm-hmm. vulnerabilities assessment. Where does the risk exist within mm-hmm. our company? And make sure that mm-hmm. you have a strategy and a plan and accountability to be able to execute it. One of the things we work with a lot of clients on, especially in corporate campaigns that are run by labor unions today, where they attack the reputation of the company and the brand mm-hmm. prior to any organizing efforts. There's a book by Gerald Mannheim called The Death of a Thousand Cuts. And it really focuses mm-hmm. in on what it takes, you know, what a corporate campaign is and how they are done. These things don't happen by accident, as you know, Jennifer. These mm-hmm. are planned out. They have the unions have a manual for this and they go after your finances, you know, your health and safety aspect, your board mm-hmm. members. And they are, you know, an attack on an organization 360 to hurt that reputation, which is gold to any company. And they want mm-hmm. to attack it. And, and, and the idea is to get you to give in when they come in and try to organize your workforce uh, because they appreciate how valuable that, re- that reputation is to you uh, in the marketplace today. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, just what you described, it's very difficult to prevent an attack like this. So are there things that companies can do to prepare for a potential attack, mitigate the damage ahead of it? Yes, I hit briefly on that in the previous answer, but but it really is doing that inside out evaluation of your company. Where, where are your soft points? Where is that Achilles heel in an organization? Where are you making improvements that maybe haven't been recognized externally? So, you know, having that vulnerabilities assessment, looking at what steps need to be taken to fix where you may be soft on one of these issues. So companies can look for ways to do that, have have a plan in place, have people who are responsible for that plan. Again, once you put a plan in place, these are living documents. They're, they're not carved in stone. People have to continually make adjustments, have to continually look at changes in the marketplace. So if you make an acquisition of another firm or if you spin off something or if you've had a, an external event that people know about, how does that impact your plan and be able to adjust Mm -hmm. and prepare for that so you're not caught caught flat-footed and it doesn't take you 24, 48, 72 hours to respond Mm -hmm. if you find Mm -hmm. out about somebody. You've prepared for this. And even if you don't have the specific answer, it's something that is new to you, at least you have the systems in place to address them uh, quickly and minimize the risk that and uh, potential exposure to your brand that one of these attacks may uh, bring to light. 
And what about internally? Like we talked a little bit about employer brand. What should our strategy be there? I mean, really, what needs to be communicated to employees? Well, what's really important, you know, as you know, brand is that public promise you make to the marketplace and your reputation is are you living up to those those promises you make in that uh, in your brand promise? So are you living the mission and values? So part of that is making sure it has to be more than a statement. It has to be more than a poster that hangs in an elevator. You have to really <laughs> drill down and, and, you know, management has to engage with the frontline employees and make sure that they appreciate it. And we're taking steps that they recognize it. So whether it's, you know, competitive pay, is it competitive benefits? Do they appreciate our commitment to customer care or patient care? We have to live the values that make up our brand and people have to know what they are. They have to really appreciate that they are part of that success. One of the things I find most surprising when I when I go into an organization to work with them, a lot of times they just push the content out to the employees and hope that they read it. What you really Mm -hmm. have to have is a dialogue. It has to be two ways. It has to be those conversations. People have to believe that they're making an impact. They have to believe that they work Mm -hmm. for a great company. They have to believe that the leadership is committed to the strong reputation and taking care of not only the external customer, but the internal people, because really they're the champions Mm -hmm. of the brand. They're the ones who sit next to somebody in church or sit next to them at the softball game when their kids are playing and talk to, to the people in the communities where they operate. And so it's really important that these people appreciate that appreciate the contribution they can make and appreciate mm-hmm. that the company wants them to be those brand ambassadors in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. For sure. And and we mentioned that this episode was kind of inspired by the, the hospitable movie. And we know that that's currently being shopped around at the festivals and it'll almost certainly be picked up for, for widespread distribution. What should our listeners in healthcare be doing right now to prepare for this, knowing that this is coming? Well, I think that the first thing to know is pay attention that it is coming and it is going to draw attention to practices in healthcare industry that might not be associated with them. But unfortunately today, you know, healthcare is a, a hot topic. There's a lot of political discussion around healthcare. There's a lot of discussion at the community. There's a lot of consolidation in the marketplace. You know, small community hospitals in rural areas are closing larger institutions are acquiring them and and creating larger uh, healthcare operations. So I think for for those people in the industry have to be aware of what are those uh, potential exposures that they have in the marketplace. So shows like, you know, Inhospitable focus on executive compensation, or they'll talk about how many uh, nurses are on a floor to the patients. They, ha- uh, they have mm-hmm. to talk about the consolidation in the industry. And they do try mm-hmm. to portray it as that that is bad. And as we all know who work in it, this consolidation is helping to be able to continue to provide this care in the communities. Mm-hmm. It's a tough business. It's hard to get people, uh, recruit them into these facilities. There's a, a yep. nurse shortage, you know, mm-hmm. right now with the pandemic and the vaccine requirements has put further pressures on companies. So I think, again, as we were talking about looking at your own internal vulnerabilities really helps companies uh, be prepared for that. And it doesn't happen in a, a vacuum. And somebody may read it and a reporter sees it. And then they come ask you because you're in the local community. So you can't think just be, you know, wipe your forehead and say, boy, sure, I'm glad I wasn't in that. You can very mm-hmm. easily, because you're in that industry, get caught up into a story that doesn't mention you by name. But the follow up when people want to know, how does it impact me and my community? You very well mm-hmm. can uh, face those same issues. 
So let's let's continue on that thought. You were, you were saying that, you know, this doesn't happen in a vacuum. Is there a value in connecting with other organizations in the industry to strategize around communication? I mean, like with Dark Waters, would there have been value in DuPont working together with 3M to um, share their side and, and control that narrative? Well, obviously, information is, is, is valuable, and it's important that people know that. When you get into a situation like DuPont was facing, there's a lot of legal ramification. And as you know, uh, it puts a restriction on what people can and can't say publicly or to other mm-hmm. competitors that may be in a marketplace. But there are other avenues that you can reach. So, you know, trade associations that you may be a part of. So mm-hmm. let's say you're in the American mm-hmm. Hospital Association, where there is an opportunity for an industry um, to collaborate, to can share insights you know, within the parameters of the legal restrictions they may be under if they're mentioned in a documentary such as this or have ongoing litigation. So there are Mm -hmm. ways for people to engage. At the same time, you know, make sure you have a good social media monitoring program in place. Mm -hmm. Make sure that your, you know, media uh, isn't just giving you reports about here are the stories and people get a long list of all of the links and as we know, most people don't click on them and read them. You know, you have to consolidate the content. And that's where firms like IRI are very helpful. Consolidate Mm -hmm. all that content, draw conclusions from it, and most importantly, make recommendations on how to do it. It's not just sending, you know, uh, clip books out and hope people read them and and take something away from it. We have to help drive that process. People are really busy, you know, and something new comes in, you don't want all the balls they're juggling to hit the floor. So, helping an organization appreciate what's in the marketplace, consolidate it, and then make recommendations to take action to mitigate that, the, the impact, you know, help them inoculate against those attacks that may be coming their way. Perfect. That's smart. All right, Mike, we're going to take some time out for another quick break. We're going to be right back after this. You're listening to the Project HR Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Oroqua, and my guest today is Mike Lake, Managing Director at IRI Consultants. We are back. Now, human resources can be a critical element in preparing and responding to reputational damage. So, Mike, what role do you think HR leaders should play in reputation maintenance? Well, what's very important is part of the process of recruiting the right people, the onboarding process that that they go through so they appreciate the organization, exposure to other people so that people, as we talked earlier, have a sense of of community that they trust and like the people they work with, you know, and, and also what the company stands for. Do we live the mission and values that we talked about? Forrester Consulting recently did a survey where they said that up to 75% of decisions customers make are tied to the executive leadership team. So they have to not only articulate their vision, you know, the mission and values of an organization, they have to live it. And again, that's where corporate reputation comes in versus brand. Mm -hmm. They have to be seen doing the right thing. They have to be, it's not just what you put on again, onto your elevator poster. It's, are you living the examples that you articulate? Are you tying what you do back to those, you know, critical components that you put into that statement. And so I think HR plays a critical role in being able to uh, help people better understand the organization when they come into it, when they're in it. So when people come to talk to them of of, of being responsive, uh, of being transparent, uh, and and being prepared to have those conversations and not dismiss Mm -hmm, them mm -hmm. uh, as people do it. You know, another thing is we see, and I think this helps HR can be helpful too, you know, ESG risk out here, which means, you know, environmental, social, and governance. People care about those things now. People are making buying decisions based on, do they identify with those, 
with those elements that companies do today. So I think, you know, the better the understanding that our people have and the, and the brand champions that they are is driven from that first exposure. And, and as we know, most of that comes through HR. And so I think they are mm-hmm. the gatekeepers of that as people come into a company and hopefully turn out to be great employees that that uh, help us grow and help help expand and, and reinforce our brand in the marketplace. Our company, IRI Consultants, can serve as a trusted advisor in this space. Can you share with our audience what they should be looking for in terms of support for reputation management? Absolutely. One of the things that IRI does, and which is critical to any engagement, is having people that are experienced, have been in the trenches, and can deliver for the client based on knowing what works and what doesn't work. I've been Mm -hmm. in large publicly held public relations firms over the years, small boutique firms. And one of the things that you see so often is you have, you know, senior people come in and sell the business, but then once you sign a contract, you get a junior person working on your account. That Mm -hmm. doesn't happen at IRI. Our people are Mm -hmm. experienced practitioners in healthcare, retail, communications, organizational development, crisis communications, the whole gamut of services that, that a company like IRI provides. But what separates us is our model is based on that seasoned practitioner who works side by side with an organization and the work stays at that high level of expertise that delivers the best results for a client. So Mike, if we want to learn more about you, about IRI, or about this type of outsourced support, where can we go? Well, We have our website at iriconsultants.com that has a lot of information. You can go to our blog or reach out to me directly at my LinkedIn page. Super. Um, And I want to let everybody know that links to everything that Mike mentioned will be included in this episode's companion guide. So be sure to unlock that today at projectionsinc.com slash podcast. Right now, though, Mike, it is time for our lightning round questions. And these are questions I like to ask of every guest of the podcast. Are you ready? Absolutely. All right. So our first question is a topic showdown. In this episode, we've been talking about corporate reputation management. And according to a recent study, two of the top factors affecting corporate reputation are quality of products and services and quality of customer service. In your opinion, Mike, which of these can have more of an impact? I am a firm believer in the quality of customer service. I think people, yeah, especially me, if the customer service is fantastic. They make a great effort to help me out. I'll overlook the imperfections of a, of a product mm-hmm. or poor service. I just really think that experience is, is priceless when it comes to covering up yeah. for any problems you have with a product. <laughs> agree, agree 100%. <laughs> All right, Mike, what's the best book you've read recently? I do a lot of reading just for pleasure of fiction, but you know, one of the books that recently I liked that wasn't fiction is based on fact. It was called Over the Edge of the World about Magellan's um, trip around the world. To me, just somebody back then who was in a ship, you had no idea where you were going. I mean, the courage the, the, just to go mm-hmm. out there and do it and the, you know, the, the, the lack of fear of the unknown. Well, they might have been fearful of it, but they did it anyway. Right, so I, right. It's just incredible that people would go out and do that and, and, and you know, risk everything to, to explore. It was just incredible. Yeah, yeah, that's inspirational. All right, what is your favorite thing about the work you do? What I really like about being a consultant is the diversity of the work and being able to have an impact within an organization. So I'm not doing one thing each day, the same thing every year. Mm-hmm. Our clients, so I might work on five or six clients in a week, and then you can see the direct impact. So if it's an organizing effort, whether you win or win an election, or if it happens to be a crisis, you're able to help the client come out on the other side. 
you know, being able to dealing at the executive level of a company, it really fires me up. I like that diversity. I like the, the excitement of it. And I like seeing the impact of the work. Yeah, something new every day. I agree with you yep. there. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Yeah, when I started off after I graduated from college, my dad told me, he said, nothing is beneath you. And when I came to Washington, D.C. to work and I worked on Capitol Hill and I worked in the White House, you know, my, he said, look, if somebody asks you to get them coffee, get them coffee. If they ask you to water mm-hmm. their plants, water their plants. He said, you're getting paid. You'll be seen as a person who's willing to pitch in wherever you're asked. And so I've always approached my career like that. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want to get my hands dirty with people that are on my teams now as a, as a managing director in our company and be perceived as someone who not just perceived, but known as someone who works side by side with them, who's in the mm-hmm. trenches. So I don't want to, people to think I think I'm too good for any of that work. And I think that's been incredible advice that I've lived by my career. Yeah, that's great advice. That's that's leadership right there. All right, last question. Who or what inspires you? This may be hokey, but I like to say my family. I've got uh, two kids uh, that are in high school right now. And just watching them, the inspiration that provides me of that that youth, the discovery, the, the facing new things. One, it reminds you what you were like when you were younger and going through that same time. And of course, the world is so different than when I was in high school. But I just mm-hmm. like, it, it's refreshing to see that. I like to say it, it, it helps keep me young because I, I see the world through their lo- their eyes. And, you know, my son who's older is, is, you know, learning to drive for his license. So I, I take a lot of inspiration in that and just helps put it into perspective what we do every day. I love that. Thanks so much for joining me today on this week's episode of Project HR, Mike. You're welcome. Glad to do it. All right. I also want to thank everyone for listening and to remind you that we've done all the hard work for you. Our team listens back to the episode, takes fantastic notes, and provides all the resources in the companion guide for this episode, which you can get at projectionsinc.com slash podcast. We are always looking for great guests on Project HR. So if you've got a topic you'd like us to talk about or an idea for an episode, let us know at projecthr at projectionsinc.com. And of course, make sure you never miss an episode of Project HR. Subscribe to the podcast at projectionsinc.com or wherever you get your content. And while you're there, drop us a line, leave us a review, or give us a handful of stars. Remember that what you do in HR impacts the world. That's all we have time for here on Project HR. Let's make it a great day at work.